0: Hey, who made you with this jockey?
1: Welcome from
0: all of us to all of you. If you wanna know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Lives Podcast. I'm
2: Rob. I'm a man.
0: It's episode 153. Maybe I may get through this. I <laughs> fall down dead before it's all said and done. What? It's, it was one of those weekends where I don't think we've uh, hidden anything about it. But we have day jobs. Yeah. Uh, amazingly, uh, this show uh, does not uh, support us in the manner in which we have become accustomed. <laughs> the, the manner in which we have become accustomed is to have food to eat. Electricity. And, uh, not sleep in the street. So yes, we have day jobs, and I have one where uh, I'm on call occasionally on the weekend. And as anybody who has that kind of job, happens a lot in tech, uh, the minute you're on call... <laughs> it screws up. It's like you don't have a weekend at all. You're barely functional. It's And it was one of those things, uh, I was back up on call, and the person who was primary swore to me on Friday, Rob, I will not call you. And at one thirty in the morning, the son of a bitch texted me. Technically, did not call me. <laughs> Didn't stop me from having to be up until 3 o'clock in the morning, though, but technically accurate. So. Um, <laughs> I'm operating on a certain amount of caffeine, uh, fatigue, hysteria, and bloody-mindedness <laughs> right now. All right. Uh, I, I do have three fine Berkshire Brewing Company Steel Rail Pale Ales to help me get through the show. I'm in the physical and mental space. Either that will put me over the top, and this is going to be a fucking show for the ages.
2: Or you're going to crash into a fugue state in about three, two...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will faceplant directly into this microphone. <laughs> You'll hear a, hear a squeal of static and then a muttered... "Oh." I wish I was dead. And that'll be the end of the show, Amanda. You'll have to close it out and then call nine one one.
2: I've already dialed nine and one. If that helps,
0: uh, it certainly can't hurt. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's not going to make it any. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've been zonked out all day, half asleep on the couch. Amanda had to shake me awake.
2: <laughs> I, I just let the cat walk on your head. <laughs> that does work. Mm.
0: I, I wish it. I wish it didn't because there's nothing more terrifying than when the cat goes for your
2: eyes. <laughs> Actually,
0: what's more terrifying is sometimes he wakes me up by chewing on my hair. Yeah. So you wake up with just that subtle dink of hair being pulled, and if he does it in the right area, you also hear in your ear that <laughs> It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. It's it's what uh, it's what you hear in The Walking Dead, your last moments.
2: <laughs> Wet slapping sound, and not in a good way.
0: <laughs> not with a cat involved. What are you accusing
2: me of? Uh, you went there. I... <laughs> It's not my fault. It's Fatigue hysteria? <laughs> Fatigue hysteria, <laughs> god damn it. <laughs>
0: uh, just, that just reminded me. This is the state my mind is in. It just reminded me that, yeah, that kid in junior high school, that everybody said, fuck the cat. <laughs> every, every, in junior high, there's always, every junior high in America, I think, had the, oh, that kid fucked a cat.
2: I don't think we had one.
0: Well, you were out in the sticks of central Massachusetts. Yeah, was...
2: but that would mean we'd be prime for it, or some other animal.
0: Well, yeah, maybe the sheep. No. Goats. No. I mean, at that point, it's so commonplace. I was in the burbs, man, so maybe that was a bigger deal. Maybe. Uh... Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going into dangerous territory. You so, are. so how'd the show go? I started <laughs> by saying I'm tired. We drifted dangerously into bestiality. And then we
2: talked about a few comments. And then <laughs> we pulled
0: up. We pulled uh, up. Uh, ups better than out. <laughs> Ow, Oh, pow. Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm really you sorry. You should
2: shotgun one of those beers and get your levels straight. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Seriously, I, I have like a pen on standby that you could just <laughs> jab into the unopened yeah. one you've got there.
0: Well, Well, I get this beer half down my head. Tell me about the pen
2: tell you about the pen. It's a lovely pen. It's a uh, it's a freebie that you get from Field Notes. Uh-huh. FieldNotes brand dot com. <laughs> <laughs> I've been using it to, to write notes when we've been taking this show because I like roller... No, this isn't even a rollerball. This is a, a ballpoint. Yeah, it's a shitty pick, basically. You, you you have no love for the ballpoint.
0: I do not. I'm, I'm a rollerball fountain pen guy. I'm, <laughs> I'm a pen snob.
2: <laughs> but uh, it's it's black. It's has uh, got some silver trim. <laughs>
0: The funny part about this is you're not even going with pathos. No. It's just you're playing along with me to get beer down with I am.
2: You really should drink more of that beer. <laughs> no, okay. It's not going to drink itself. I promise you. Ah, it never does. So, wait, wait. How's, how's your level feel? Oh, I wish I was dead. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You've almost had enough. I, let me know if you need me to go over there and get the mictors.
0: <laughs> if I if I drift into rye whiskey at this point, the show's all over. <laughs> and We do have some... Decent comic books to talk about this this week. Uh, One of them's, eh. One of them's depressingly, uh, eh. Let's have some
2: decent rye whiskey you could drift into.
0: Oh, yeah, we're not going to do that right (laughs) now. Uh, I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) Yeah, go get it. No, don't. Yeah, Uh,
2: better better angels, my ass.
0: Yeah, we don't have those. No. Not on this show. So, yeah, it's uh, yet another week of, uh, we talked about last week, kind of in the weird doldrums. We're still a couple weeks out from the next big superhero movie. Uh, I don't have the Coulions, the stones, the will to live to start watching *Fear the Walking Dead* again. <laughs> I still got to catch up with all of last season of that. So. I've heard
2: now that there might there's rumors of a, a crossover between *Fear the Walking Dead* and *Walking Dead*. <laughs>
0: like, like when Mork showed up on Happy Days? <laughs> possibly,
2: possibly. I don't know what it entails. I didn't, I didn't follow the the link or anything. So,
0: well, it's. <laughs> You know, it's the zombie apocalypse, and it's important to... (laughs) (laughs) I was on the soundboard this week.
2: (laughs) You sure were.
0: Uh, Yeah, I... It's weird. I'm I'm kind of motivated to catch up on The Walking Dead mm. now that we had uh, the latest issue last week that we both actually liked.
2: Yeah, and now was... I'm
0: beginning to feel like, all right, maybe there's something to Negan. Maybe I can sit through 18 episodes of Jeffrey Dean Morgan chewing the scenery like it's made out of meth. Um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's we like the show. It's just we never like Negan.
2: No, and I still have. I'm still conflicted. It was a good. It was a good issue, but I'm still questioning my entire self concept now.
0: Oh, well, hell, I, I'm i going to keep doing that until I get to the second beer okay. I do that on a regular basis.
2: I mean, you know, there's even an issue of Secret Empire we didn't actively hate this week. I don't know who yeah. I am anymore.
0: Uh, yeah, strap in, kids. <laughs> we have positive things to say about Secret Empire. Only a little bit. <laughs> I'll take it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's like, you know, oh, well, it's, uh, I, I can't think of anything. God, I'm tired. You're going to have to carry me in this show. Okay. I mean, maybe not physically, but possibly.
2: All right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, all right. Let's yeah, Let's let's start actually talking about comics. That may engage my brain in a way that speculating about Negan flat out cannot. All right. Uh, all right. So start out with Old Man Logan. Let's do that. Uh, Old Man Logan 25, New Creative Team, uh, written by Ed Brisson, art by uh, Mike Diodato Jr., what? In looking through this week's Marvel books, last week we didn't really talk about Marvel at all. No. Because uh, that's sort of the state where Marvel has been in the last few months. There's more depressing than isn't. Right. But yeah, this week there's Secret Empire. There's Deadpool tied into Secret Empire. There's Weapon X that is a prelude to yet another fucking event. Uh, Mutants of Mass Destruction. But there are actually some good Marvel books this week that aren't tied into all this shit. Mm. Yeah, there's Defenders, which we're going to talk about. All-New Wolverine was pretty good this week. Yeah, and Old Man Logan. And yeah, the one thing they have in common is they're not chapters in this giant goddamn event. They're just comic books, (laughs) which you kind of forget. Oh, yeah, I started reading these when I was a kid, and the event was when Mom would give you a dollar to
2: buy more than one comic book. (laughs) So, Aw, now you should play the sad Hulk theme.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding? I should be like, dude, 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 those are good days. Actually, back then, comics were 30 cents, a dollar. That's a wealth. And you'd still have a dime that you're, my parents would dutifully take me with my allowance. I got a buck. I literally, yeah, I got a buck 35 for my allowance. And the deal was a dollar had to go. I'm four years old, five years old at this point. A dollar had to go into the bank. Mm. You know, back in the day, there were no ATMs. You had to go talk to a human being, and you had a passbook that they would stamp with your balance. My, I remember that. My God, I love technology. I wouldn't go back in time at gunpoint. I don't care how young you make me. <laughs> but then I'd have 35 cents so I could get, yeah, a comic book and like a gumball or some shit. So yeah, if mom gave you money, if mom gave you a dollar for comics, my God, that was you were a spendthrift maniac at the, <laughs> at the local corner store at the spinner rack. It was great days. Did I have a point? I don't know. <laughs> I was just like, wow.
2: Must have been nice having money as a kid. <laughs> don't play the set. Okay, movie. don't do it. It's beneath you. No,
0: it's not. It's not. There's That's very I to little. You don't play it. There's very very little beneath me today. <laughs> <laughs> I am operating on fumes. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, all right. So yeah, old man Logan. Uh, yeah, just a comic book. That's a good thing. The First one since Secret Wars, like I said, with a new creative team, and it's really the first one. That I can think of that really fully leans into the more horrible and wretched parts of Mark Millar's <laughs> yes. Old Man Logan history, as opposed to constantly trying to find a way to show how Logan is trying to fit into this version of the Marvel universe. Yes, which is kind of cool. I mean, Ed Brisson has the uh, luxury of doing that. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, but fuck it.
2: <laughs> his check <laughs> I'm hasn't. Sure, cleared. somebody will write in.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the original currently dead Wolverine is going to be coming back, uh, at least on a temporary basis in Generations or Vanishing Point or Legacy or whatever the fuck Axel Alonso <laughs> is trying to gin up as a way to pretend that everything in Marvel since Jonathan Hickman took over Avengers never happened. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of the funny thing. I was actually, I spent some time thinking about this, and the more I think about it, the more convinced I am. That the minute Marvel really and truly lost its shit and started the road to where it is now with Captain America's a Nazi and nobody loves us <laughs> was when Brian Michael Bendis left Avengers and Jonathan Hickman started on it. Yeah. Because that's the minute Hickman switches from Fantastic Four to Avengers, we get Age of Ultron and young X Men fucking show up. Uh, New Avengers switches from like the really fun an innovative title that it really was that really saved the entire Avengers line before the movie came out. And yeah, Hickman takes it and turns it into a story about how like some founding Avengers and mainstay heroes of Marvel dating back to Marvel's golden age spend their time just destroying universes filled with millions and trillions of people in every incursion.
2: I like to picture the storyboard in in Hickman's house. It's really it's it's like walls of a room it's not it's it's gone past the whiteboard (laughs) stage and it's in tiny tiny letters of just like you know plot point after plot point with deep story background and deep story background and there's webs and there's lines it looks like something out of a fucking beautiful mind but then Uh, it all centers in the middle it it, like like it's some sort of like literary web in the middle of it says reed richards is a dick (laughs) yes (laughs) Because the
0: man can plot like a motherfucker. He does intricate plots like almost nobody else. But they, there's something about him and Reed Richards.
2: Uh, maybe like, he, I think Reed Richards beat him up as a child. Yeah, he He's the s- only one that Reed Richards could beat
0: <laughs> He went to school with a kid named Reed <laughs> who'd thumb rub his glasses and knock his fucking books out of his hands. Wet willy. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: so he's just got a mat on for Reed. Reed Richards is a cock. And a fucking...
2: <laughs> And he'll go days without sleep to fuck up the Marvel Universe to prove his point. Yeah, because
0: all of this, yeah, like three years of New Avengers and Avengers just to make Reed Richards complicit in multiple genocides (laughs) that went on for three years. Three years where Reed Richards and Iron Man are committing genocide every 30 days. Make mine fucking Marvel. Just kill them all, Iron Man. (laughs) but even Hickman didn't have the ball. He he had Captain America say, nope, I don't believe in this. And they like wiped his mind. He didn't have the balls to make Captain America a fucking genocidal Nazi. There's, a, there's some lines, man. That's a modern thing. That's a modern interpretation. Think about everything that's happened since Hickman took over. Wolverine gets killed. Captain Marvel's a fascist. Thor is unworthy. In that same story, uh, fucking Nick Fury is a watcher.
2: Sharon Carter has lost her agency.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, Iron Man gets killed. Hulk gets killed. Ant-Man becomes Ultron. That's like four out of five of the founding Avengers, just dead or fucking dildos. Yeah. But yeah, dude, make mind marvel. That's that's fun comics. Maria Hill is a fugitive. Uh, yeah. Doctor Doom is not a you know, the, one of the greatest villains in comic history. Now he's a good guy. Cyclops is dead. That's not a problem. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Emma Frost is nuts. Spider-Man's a fucking billionaire. Ben Riley's back. Yeah, Ben Riley. Oh, all right. That's almost worse than any of them. <laughs> Although I caught up on the last couple issues. I still don't like it, but it's better than I thought the original first issue was. But none of them were good enough for me to want to talk about them today. Okay. But yeah, it's the house that Stan and Jack built, no Fantastic Four, for like two fucking years. So, oh, and Captain America, motherfucking Nazi. So,
2: yeah, that's sort of the cherry.
0: I mean, think about all that. Rick Jones,
2: it, dead. Rick
0: Jones is dead. Executed on television by <laughs> Captain America. I mean, if you went back to like 2008, like you could go back in time like like the new X-Men, and you showed up at a Marvel Creative Summit and pitched half of this shit, you'd have woken up in the drunk tac- tank at Rikers Island. They would yeah. <laughs> beat you about the head and neck and called the police. I kind of picture, yeah, Kirkman in a room like that with all these... Yeah, pictures and drawings and scribblings and, and strings tied between things. And then you hear just a big... <laughs> and he picks his head up and goes, fucking Avengers World! Just crusted blow around his whole face. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, so Hickman, he sort of sets all this shit in motion... And then he does secret wars to destroy the universe. It's like he burns everything the fuck down, and then he quits Marvel. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't see a picture of Jonathan Hickman without seeing like a fireball behind him, like he's walking away from an explosion in a Michael Bay movie.
2: <laughs> but I digress. I think did I have a point? <laughs> well, you were going to talk about how you enjoyed this issue of Old Man Logan.
0: <laughs> yeah, Old Old Man Logan twenty five, written by Ed Brubaker. My dude, Otto Junior. Ah. Uh. So yeah, all right, yeah. This is a comic book we were talking
2: about. Yes. So this was this was um, a remnant. Uh, this character is a remnant of of that um, horrible world that Hickman helped kickstart in motion. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> Drop kick in motion. And this particular issue examines one of the storylines, kind of, from that universe in in the original Old Man Logan. There was a family of Hulks, and it was it was like Bruce Banner's progeny met the Hills Have Eyes. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I was I was thinking Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, and that's part of what worked about like
2: Deliverance. <laughs>
0: yeah, look, I've been as vocal about not liking most Mark Millar comics as anybody, but I do have a soft spot for Old Man Logan, and that's part of the reason because it's yeah really like the Chop Top or whatever family taken out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre because. You're in the middle of nowhere, they're inbred, their motivations don't make any sense, you're in danger when they're around, they're fucking monstrous, and there's nobody who can fucking help you. Yeah. They just show up and they might fuck your livestock to death, or (laughs) just bounce your kid's head like a basketball or some shit, and it's legitimately weird motives, because yeah, they're just inbred monstrosities. Right. Which is kind of cool. And and we get some of them back, although it's not... That was Bruce Banner was in charge of the whole family right. here. And here it kind of is, but it's the maestro version, the which maestro is a version, little different.
2: Which was f- one of the ones that came out from one of the alternate universes during... Um...
0: No, this, this was a while ago. This was uh, when Peter David was writing The Hulk. He did a future oh. story, a uh, future imperfect. Okay. But the maestro has shown up a few times. It was one of his... Uh, he had one of the worlds in Battle World in Secret Wars.
2: Okay, as I was say, I, I remember the character from Battle World.
0: Yeah, so it's it's not the same Hulk from Old Man Logan. Yeah, even uh, the one with the sunglasses, the Hulk with the sunglasses in this kind of confirms it because on the big splash page of all the people hulking out, yeah, uh, he says that Logan killed his paw. So it's not the same. So yeah, how. The maestro got involved in this. I'm not
2: sure. And also, uh, the fact that Banner gave birth to um, a Hulk-like child that looks like General Ross is just weird to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I had not made that connection.
2: With the sunglasses and the, and the flat top. <laughs> uh,
0: I guess you're kind of right. Just weird. Well, there's all kinds of inbreeding in this world, I guess.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Sometimes hatred hides secret, weird, perverted love. I don't know. <laughs>
2: I you don't... know, for for an episode that that kicked off with the possibility of of um a prepubescent child possibly fucking a cat. We're we're just <laughs> doubling down on weirdness. Uh
0: once again, I'm an alcoholic and I'm I'm just barely <laughs> family entertainment kids. <laughs> <laughs> we're a show for the family from Texas chainsaw massacre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Family oriented if you are a particular kind of family. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, this brings back that Kind of that family, but
0: yeah, it does feel a little bit strange. Strange kind of in a good way, because yeah, it does feel like a horror movie. It does. Um, And also,
2: Logan makes this point of, you know, he's finally at a point, rather than trying to figure out where he fits into this world, being able to relax, because as tragic as the death of Bruce Banner was during secret, whatever the hell it was, Civil War II. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So many wars. So many fucking events. How am I supposed to keep them straight? I know, I'll start scribbling on the wall. Again.
0: Um, <laughs> that is something we speculate. We have not broken into Hickman's house, house at night, and
2: watched him sleep. Nope. Have, have we? <laughs> uh, I got a lot of time I can't account for. The, I'm a nasty
0: piece of work. Ask anybody.
2: So now that he's sort of let his guard down, the fact that he has encountered this family of hulks who have escaped from his dimension and found their way here, now has his his um, hackles back up. If, I guess, does Wolverine have hackles? I suppose he does. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do Canadians have hackles? I don't know. If you're from Canada, if you, if you could just email us at crisis at on <laughs> at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, is that part of the Canadian
2: citizenship test? Hackles. Of <laughs> asking about hackles? I don't think it is. I think we would have noticed it on Strange Brew. There was no mention of hackles on Strange Brew.
0: Literally, everything I know about Canada I learned from Bob and Doug McKenzie
2: and Strange Brew. I don't. I don't recall any, any references to hackles on any of Chuck Hughes' uh, food program. I am. I, think I am, would have mentioned it. I am a small part French Canadian, <laughs> and
0: still, everything I know about Canada I know from the McKenzie brothers.
2: So anyway, uh, hackles. Hackle. Beauty this
0: idea. movie was shot in
2: three B, three beers,
0: and it looks good, eh? We're going to get this show over the finish line one way or the other. I swear to God. All right, Hackles, yes. Uh, yeah, that whole scene worked for me in the same way it worked as, as a horror movie. And it's kind of similar to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, Logan, they come at him in this little diner in the middle of nowhere. I'm surprised one of the younger hulks didn't scream, Pancakes! Like in <laughs> Cabin Fever, which is very influenced by Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
2: Well, one gets the impression that the maestro has has worked very hard to eradicate that level of instability from this group of inbreds.
0: Oh, clearly considering they show up and Hulk out in the first four pages of this story. Well, I'm not uh, saying he, he, he was completely
2: well. successful. I'm just saying that it seems important to him based on later actions.
0: It seems very important, and yet he was unable
2: to stop it from happening. So, I mean, the first time we meet him, he's in like, not-Hulked-out form, and he's correcting the grammar of one of his grandchildren.
0: <laughs> exactly, and he looks like he's about ready to break out into uh, trucking, or perhaps <laughs> Uncle John's band. Perhaps. Um, <laughs> Definitely doesn't look like Bruce Banner. That that was the weird thing. There were a couple of weird things about the maestro and I assume Banner in this. Mm. Number one, yeah, the his human form in no way looked like Bruce Banner. And number two, apparently he's the only version of the Hulk that somehow loses his hair and turns bald when he becomes the Hulk.
2: Yeah, I tried to rationalize that by thinking that his head somehow mutates to such a degree that the hairline just moves back.
0: Just his his big... <laughs> his big dot green brain just pushes all of his fucking hair yeah. follicles out. Like,
2: of. like um fuck the master what are, is that? The <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's that's why that's why my family has all our hair. We're pretty fucking stupid. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, it had very much a a horror movie feel to it. It's you walk into this small town Americana. Yes, I know it's Canada, but that <laughs> that kind of Andy Griffith show feel of yep, a friendly diner and within a couple pages, yeah, it's, there's a pile of dead guys in the back and monsters are talking about fucking your armpits or something. It's, it was really an effective... Don't look at the book. I pulled that out of my ass. All right. But, I, mean, so I
2: remember quite a bit of this book, but there was nothing about armpit fucking. I mean, this is an for fuck's sake.
0: But... Uh, monsters come out of nowhere and attack you. It's very horror movie, and I actually wish Brisson had spent more time with it and spun out the descent into horror a little longer. Yeah. And it's a fine line, because the way he handled it here makes total sense. Wolverine would know in the first five seconds of walking into a place...
2: It smelled wrong. uh, Yeah,
0: that there's a pile of corpses in the back. I don't know how you spread that out. Actually, I do. I just thought of it. Okay. You've got... uh, Flat top with the sunglasses. Who is behind the counter? He's cooking a big pot of chili, and he's loaded with spices or some shit that fuck with Logan's senses. And that can buy us some time, but it also gives you the extra creep factor of what's in the
2: fucking chili. See, yeah. maybe I should write comics. Maybe you should. I, I don't know. That they could have gone that route. That's a little on the nose with the the whole cannibalism thing.
0: <laughs> I suppose, all right, yeah, maybe I should just stay on this end of the mic and... Uh, <laughs> is there a way you
2: could work a dick joke into that?
0: Uh, <laughs> there always is. Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all the punchlines are coming out of the machine today. Just, <laughs> I'm going to get through this without falling down or breaking into cold sweats. <laughs> okay, all right.
2: Can we talk about how awesome Diodato's art is in this? Uh, you know, Mike
0: Diodato is one of my absolute favorite artists, and I am not dumb enough to not recognize the level of detail he puts in. I know there's got to be a certain amount of light boxing that goes on. Yeah. And I get that and I accept it. The the amount of detail he gets into a panel or a page has always been cool to me. It's a, he first really got my notice when he was working on Bendis's new Avengers and had so, just some great books there and He's one of the few artists that I really I do kind of follow around, and this old man Logan is on my pulls, so I was psyched to see him on it, and I think he's a great match for this because the book really embraces, I, I think, the level of violence of the Logan movie. There are a couple yeah. of panels in here, you know, like claws through the brain that are straight from the Logan movie.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, and just the way that he works with the colorist, who is Frank Martin. Yeah, with you know the the shading and. Martin uses this technique, it's probably done uh, through computer graphics, I don't know, I'm not an artist, where everything looks kind of dotted in pixels in order to create the shading with the colors. Okay, and yeah. And there's this sort of autumn-toned palette <laughs> of, of colors that just sort of speak towards that, like when you're in a horror movie and it's like getting darker and late, but not quite nighttime yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, It's there's just enough shadows to make shit creepy. Yeah.
2: But it's it's it's, it's um, horror movie Twilight as opposed to golden hour Twilight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no golden hour yeah. in this book. There's just murder afoot. Yes. You know, when you can burn Wolverine. That's a good thing about Wolverine. You can have a horror movie ending. Oh, God, they threw burning grease on me. I'm disintegrating. I'll still be back <laughs> by page 19 to continue the fight.
2: Right. Oh, my eyes. I can feel my eyes going. I better flail out.
0: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, I love the art in this book. And it's... I, I wish I knew if he worked digitally. I wish I made more money to buy some of his original art. I wish <laughs> he would go to San Diego Comic-Con or something. And again, I'm not dumb enough to not recognize with the detail that's there. There's reference work. There's either light box. There's something going. I, I don't care. It looks great to me. Yeah. And it never, never has descended into weird cross-hatching that you get from a lot of artists that go and try to do that kind of fine detail. Right. So yeah, this book looks great.
2: But all of the yeah, now that I'm looking at this, all of these progeny that Logan takes on all have some passing resemblance to characters that have been in Hulk's past. So the guy with the glasses, or sunglasses looks like Ross. the The girl and this is probably might just be projecting looks like Betty. the The young, simpering one kind of looks like Rick Jones.
0: <laughs> I didn't make that connection, but it kind of maps. I could see that.
2: So it was just sort of an interesting, and maybe maybe I'm just reading stuff into it that isn't there, but that's what it seemed to me.
0: Okay, so there's, one way or the other, there's potentially a lot going on here, just besides it's a cool story that's not connected to anything. Right. Which goes a long fucking way with me with Marvel these days. I have liked bringing Old Man Logan into the Marvel Universe. When they killed Wolverine a couple, three years ago at this point, it really felt like a publicity stunt, and it's like, oh, they're going to bring them back eventually, and it seems like in some way they're going to uh, bring them back in generations. And apparently, the latest thing is whatever this vanishing point thing is. It's going to allow heroes to interact out of continuity with older versions. So yeah. I don't know if the long-term goal is to really bring back characters like the the Logan, the Charles Sewell killed mm. in Death of Wolverine, and Captain Marvel, uh, which I sincerely hope they don't do because I've said before the be Definitely. a
2: weird time to do it now that you've already done Logan the movie. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, I don't think they're talking about getting rid of old man Logan, but I've, I've kind of liked the feel of, yeah, okay, there's, there's a younger version now. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, Tom Taylor's work on All New Wolverine with yeah. Laura Linney, X-23 as Wolverine. So yeah, the idea of this older gunslinger who put all that costume shit behind him so he's just, uh, no, I'm here and I can help with things and I've got a lot of experience. You know, like old Eastwood, as you get to Unforgiven, which is part of why the Logan movie worked as well as it did for me. Um, So I've I've really liked it, and I I hope they don't use Generations as an excuse to say, nope, we've got young Logan back now.
2: Yeah, because I I think that they have been getting a lot of mileage out of their time travel story to bring back the young X-Men, and legacy feels less like their version of rebirth and more. Oh, oh, to be fair, we haven't read it yet. And more just, uh, here's how we bring back the other characters without rebooting. Cause Marvel never reboots.
0: Oh no. Marvel reboot doesn't reboot. Their shit doesn't stink.
2: It's not a cold sore.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not nodding off right I'll, in front of this microphone. Call you in the morning. <laughs> the, that'll buff out. <laughs> that'll wash out of your hair. There's a lot of them. work. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the punchlines coming out of the machine. That's okay. that's all I got for today. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a great-looking book. It, it maps into, yeah, a Mark Millar story that I've, I've got a soft spot for. It's one of the few that I really do. And look, Wolverine fighting the Hulk... Is always a good time. It's literally what Wolverine was created to do. <laughs> it really was. I mean, there's a reason Hulk 340 was such a big deal back in 1988. It was the biggest artist in comics drawing what I think was the second battle only ever mm. between the Hulk and Wolverine. So, yeah, putting the older version of the Hulk... Versus the maestro, older version of, no, but older version of Logan versus the older maestro version of the Hulk. Man, I'm tired. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's a gimme. Yeah, yeah. You want to throw in a bunch of other dumbass, inbred fucking hulks who might ask Logan to squeal like a pig? Yeah, all right, fine. I'm, I'm on board. That might be fun. I mean, this one is, it's fun. It's darkly fun, but it's fun, and it's its own thing. It's not tied to anything else. You can just, it's a new creative team. You can pick it up. You don't need to read Secret Empire or Weapons of Mutant Destruction yeah. or any other fucking thing. You can just buy Old Man Logan twenty five.
2: No Nazis in this.
0: Well, the, the Hulks might be Nazis. No, I didn't ask their political beliefs before Logan knifed him in the in the brain.
2: All right, there was there was no seemingly no Hydra.
0: Yes, <laughs> it was the right kind of green, <laughs> not Hydra green. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's fun. Again, you got to have the right. Sense of fun, <laughs> yes, to, to watch the Hulks just get murdered. But if if you got that, that's fun, and you could just buy it and start in. It's a great jumping on point. So I like this one a lot. I agree. Anything else on Old Man Logan?
2: No, no. I'm just I'm gonna be curious where this art goes. This is a good place to jump on if you haven't already been reading Old Man Logan. So yes, put that out there.
0: So we'll go from that to a, yeah, a book. I can't believe I have anything positive <laughs> to say about given the history, but. Secret Empire 4, uh-huh. uh, written by <laughs> written by Nick Spencer. Uh, art by Leniel Francis Yu. What kind of parents would name their kid, though? I'll never get his first name right. But, uh, yeah, I- I'll give credit where it's due. This is the best issue of Secret Empire so far. It doesn't make it awesome, mm. but it's actually mostly good. Okay. I think there's more of it that's good than bad, although it's one of those where here's the good parts, Here's the bad parts. But I think there's more of it that's good than bad. And that's because the good parts are about the Avengers. Yes. And not about Captain America being a dickhead Nazi.
2: Why don't you why don't you elaborate on that?
0: All right. The first few pages we get to the first few pages and the last few pages we wind up servicing the the Hydra is in charge of everything plot. Yes. We open with uh the non-Nazi Steve Rogers that we've seen wandering around uh, meeting some version of Sam Wilson and Bucky. Now, Bucky has both his arms. Yeah. So... It's always been kind of unclear but at this point I think it's clear we're kind of stuck in some kind of other dimension or afterlife or the ultimate universe or some shit.
2: I'm beginning to think that my my theory about fragments of the cosmic cube is right. I I think what we saw on those pages were this is what it looks like when fragments of the that cosmic cube come together.
0: Okay, now now repeat your theory uh, in case uh in, in case somebody hasn't uh, listened to the earlier episode in which case how dare you sir? <laughs> how dare or ma'am?
2: Anyway, well, and also, well, welcome to the show. Oh yeah,
0: welcome to the show. Uh, I'm Rob. I'm drunk most of the time. And I'm going to fall down soon.
2: <laughs> so, in any in any event, my my theory is that these scenes in whatever this weird section of this new universe or secret empire verse if i woke up in
0: the secret empire verse
2: i would find a load-bearing member (laughs) the first thing i did (laughs) anyway go ahead and and, uh, it seems to me that many people are going that route so the whole idea of you know things that bring hope is this really the real cap that, that we're seeing you know that knows he needs to go somewhere but he's not sure where or how to get there and he's battling things in the darkness. My my theory had been that rather than there being being an alternate Steve Rogers running around, that this rec- uh, represents a fragment of the cosmic cube. Yes. And so, in this particular section, we also yeah he meets up with a a Sam Wilson and a, and a Bucky who ha- is not missing arms. I think those those are more fragments of the cosmic cube coming together.
0: And that kind of works because. It- Part of the main plot of this book, the the part that was better than not, are fragment people getting a hold of fragments and bringing them together. So yeah, there's more and more of that. I think there's. I, I still have a certain soft spot for. Uh, and at this point, I forget. I think it was from the Outhouses or something. Or hmm. no, it was from a, a shit nerdist. Okay. Uh, the the theory that this is the ultimate cap, and somehow this is the real Captain America someplace. But no, the more I think about it, I think you're you're definitely signing me on to it. It's an interesting theory that kind of maps to what's actually happening. So
2: Yeah, because I, I think ultimately the payoff is, you know, in in the eleventh hour, um, the heroes are gonna think that they have enough of the fragments, but somehow Nazi Steve is gonna get a hold of the of the completed cube and the cube is gonna actually, like once he tries to activate it, is gonna reset everything. Like it's not gonna go the way that he wants. Well,
0: and the more I think about it, when Kobic sort of fell apart. It was at the end of Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Thunderbolts. P- Thunderbolts, rather. Uh, yeah, Thunderbirds was that uh, puppet show from England. <laughs> <It was>. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, had production values that made Davy and Goliath look like fucking Michael Bay movie. But anyway, <laughs> um, Thunderbolts, where, yeah, part of her last act was realizing that Bucky was not, didn't think she had done right, right. by bringing Hydra to the forefront and making Cap think that he was a Nazi. Yeah. It's easy to forget, we are talking about a cosmic cube with a will. Yes. And the the last moment we saw that will was kind of an understanding of, uh, oh no, my best friend Bucky thinks I've done wrong. And maybe as the pieces come together, she's imposing her own will and saying, I'm going to bring back. It, it, it could be both. It could be, yep, this is ultimate Captain America, and real Captain America was killed in Secret Wars. Right. Oh, Jesus, I forget which... Uh, Battle world piece he was in with where he was searching for Bucky and and Secret Wars is like a weird, horrible fever dream that I survived. Yeah. At at this point, (laughs) yeah, the more it could be both. Yeah, I think it could map to that. I I like your theory more and more. I have good ideas. You do (laughs) vastly better than mine today. (laughs) (laughs) But one way or the other, this is not, you know, oh, Steve Rogers is walking around the Marvel Universe actually trying to get someplace. This is some other at this point.
2: Yeah, you, you get the impression, at, at least initially, because of the shadowy nature of, of the way the panels are drawn, you want to say that it's like the dark world or what they call it, the underground, where, no, it's not the underground. There's, there's that section of, of New York that's now under like a shadow dome.
0: Oh, all of New York. Yeah. All of Manhattan. But it basically. had a
2: name, and I don't see it in the book this, that's this issue. That's because,
0: yeah, we only talk about New York and Secret Empire in individual stories. Yeah. Uh, uh, which story this week did we get? Shit, I can't remember. It wasn't Deadpool. Uh, Did you read this week's Deadpool? I have not yet. Finally, it it makes some somebody is acting the way you would expect them to act in Secret (laughs) Empire. Oh my god! Which almost nobody who is working with Hydra is, including the Punisher. We get the Punisher in this. Yes, Uh, he's reporting into Nazi Cap. Uh, Cap's telling him to hunt down Black Widow, and apparently Nick Spencer is going with a whole you know the same motivation for Punisher working with Cap in Civil War. It's oh you've always been my hero. Yeah, Uh, despite the fact that. <laughs> unless we find out that like in Deadpool where we sort of get a sense that Deadpool knows something's wrong so he's exercising his own agency like he finds the the main good avengers base mm. and decides he's not going to report it cuz he knows something's wrong even okay. though he respects cap and that's sort of why he's going along but he knows something's wrong unless we get that from the punisher you know again it's going to be really disappointing to me cuz like i said The Punisher's family was killed by organized crime. You don't get a lot more organized crime than fucking Hydra.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's... Like, if you look it up in the dictionary, you either see the (laughs) Corleones...
0: Yeah. Or... And he can respect Captain America all day long, but if Captain America showed up in a $1,000 fucking Italian suit going, oh, hi, I'm mafia now, I don't think Frank would say, yes, sir, where can I get my suits?
2: No. No.
0: So, yeah, we get that. That's still disappointing, the shit with the Punisher. We get Black Widow torturing and killing some Hydra dick, just some generic drone, uh, while the champions resist sinking to that level. Now, the, there were a couple of bright spots in of all the Hydra shit in here, and there's not a ton of it, which, again, made it a better book for me. Yes. I like that sequence the best, because, number one, it shows the champions still resisting going the whole lethal yeah. route that... Black Widow does. You you want some heroes to still say no, you know what, we're superheroes and we should
2: act in a certain way. Yeah, and it also begs the question of if she's trying to go like full red room on them that it <laughs> you would think that she would have broken down their resistance somewhat more at this point.
0: Yeah, but it took years with her. You know, they didn't just bring her to the red room. It's not a magical place, like Tahiti.
2: Yeah, but well, <laughs> it was also implied with the Red Room, um, other horrors, if you didn't buy in. And I don't think she's been willing to go that route, or at least Spencer hasn't been willing to show that. To play devil's advocate,
0: uh, one of the people she would have to go that route on is the totally awesome Hulk. Uh, <laughs> I'm not
2: saying it would go well. I'm just saying that traditionally... Part of the conditioning involved a certain amount of abuse, which was to help break you down. It wasn't just do these awful things.
0: Which is true when you're dealing with a, a scared human girl. Uh, it's a little tougher when, uh, I can't imagine Viv Vision is really going to be intimidated.
2: <laughs> well, she implied something about being able to take out a, a droid, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. But it's it's not only
0: that part where the champions are still trying to act like superheroes, but it's the fact that the Hydra drone is so clearly evil to his core, yeah. its he, he acts in a way, it reminds me, remember Saving Private Ryan, they capture the German, yeah. and who's like, oh, my family, and they, they try to humanize him, so they let him go, and as soon as he comes back, he kills, what's his face? Yeah. Up him. It, it's, it's a lot like that. It's like, no, it, I get the sense that Spencer understands, at least at this point, that okay, I can in no way humanize Hydra and make any of this seem like a good idea. Yeah, this guy. Yeah, oh yeah, he cried crocodile tears in the minute he thought he'd get the drop on somebody's hail Hydra with a knife.
2: That's why it's some some drone that worked in the cafeteria and catering services, and not Bob, agent of Hydra.
0: <laughs> Nobody hurt Bob, agent of Hydra. Exactly because
2: he's already been humanized. <laughs> exactly.
0: So, uh, so I, I like that. It's it gave me the sense that Spencer understands. Okay, uh, yes. I need to make sure everybody understands I'm not approving of HYDRA. HYDRA is the best... Captain America is in the wrong here. Yes. Whether, no matter what is causing him to do this or whatever. So it gave me a little hope on that front. It's like, yes, this is what... Anybody in a Hydra uniform in an old Stanley Jim Steranko shield story would do. Yes, doesn't matter what they say. It's a no, not the face. My diabetes. The <laughs> minute he can try to stab you, he will, and so you, you've got to take him out. Yes, so I I liked that. That was the, really the only part of the Hydra shit in this book that I did like. Um, but the good news is, after that, we get to the Avengers versus Hank Pym and Ultron.
2: Yeah, it's not even versus Hank Pym and Ultron. uh, Kind of. Hydra and the Avengers are both looking for a fragment of the Cosmic Cube that Hank Pym slash Ultron has. And it's made very clear that, or at least to those on the outside, um, they see him as Ultron wearing Hank Pym's face. From Ultron's point of view, it it seems to be a much more mixed, he does recognize that, Humanity sucks, and he would like to kill them all. But he does think of himself as Hank Pym.
0: Yeah, how they mix together. It's a we have uh, Rick Mer- Rick Remender's uh, graphic novel Rage of Ultron, mm. uh, which came out before Secret Wars, and that's where the merger between Hank Pym and Ultron, Ultron occurred. Uh, I haven't read it for a while, so. Who's really in control? I think there there are places here where it seems like it's Ultron, and others where it seems like it's Hank Pym, trying desperately to maintain control over this thing. I'm not sure it really matters
2: overall. No, because what he's trying to, what he tries to make a point about in this story is that regardless of what good things he's done, he's always being remembered for this one particular bad savage act, and that was the act of, of hitting his wife Jan.
0: Yes. And I really, uh, I really like that in this yeah. this book. Everything I liked about this was in the interaction between the Avengers. Because by the time they're all at Ultron slash Hank Pym's table in this simacralum, did I say that right? Man, I'm tired. Sure. Simulation. Yes. I know how to pronounce <laughs> that. Uh, simulation of Avengers Mansion that he has built in this sovereign territory that. Pym slash Ultron has built somewhere in Alaska, uh, just cranking out Ultron's like he's yeah. like he's making dupes of episodes of Breaking like, Bad to sell in the street in New York.
2: They're they're running around running the compound like like Ultron oompa loompas.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's got an Ultron oompa loompa Jarvis. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's where all the good stuff happens because that's where Spencer treats this like it's the Avengers. Because it, it ignores the fact that Cap is a Nazi. I mean, it it deals with everybody's with everybody as Avengers first. That yes. whole undercurrent is there. It drives some of the dialogue between AI, Tony, and various people, particularly when they're at the table. But it still just, it feels like a story about the Avengers. Yes. And it, it, it really occurred to me reading this, do you remember the Avengers? Yeah. When it was just the Avengers? <laughs> and, and maybe West Coast Avengers, maybe. But for the most part, it was just, yeah, the Avengers. The Avengers is a team. I mean, how many fucking Avengers are there now? All of them. I mean, yeah, ever since the Avengers movie, it's whatever <laughs> they can stamp the Avengers name on to try and sell it. There's uh, Mark Wade's Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. There's Uncanny Avengers. There's Occupy Avengers. There's U.S. Avengers. You could probably count the Ultimates. And that's just off the top of my head. I might be missing one or two. You no, know, and, and none of them are really
2: connected. Yeah, it's like Bitsy Avenger, Boopsy Avenger, <laughs> Dottie Avenger, Frank. Like just like.
0: Wait, hey, which Avenger are you in, Steve? For a ten dollar all you can eat testicle fest. I'm really tired. That wasn't very good. But <laughs> but it's that's ever since the movie. And one of the key things about the Avengers back when I was a kid, all the way up until like Bendis's New Avengers, was unity. Boy, it was once an Avenger, always an Avenger. If the call went out when Captain America yelled "Avengers Assemble," if you were ever an Avenger, you were there. It was family. Being an Avenger was a big deal. Yeah, it was like the mafia. Once you're out, you know, they, you're never really out. And and that's part of why, uh, looking back, you know, when Bendis did New Avengers and brought in Spider Man and Luke Cage for the New Avengers, people were kind of pissed. Because, yeah, Spider-Man, oh, he's not powerful enough, and he's not a joiner, and Luke Cage is a second stringer, but, yeah, all those people back then ignored, you know, when Hawkeye joined, he was like a second-rate villain. Right. But then again, fuck those people. I don't care what
2: they Wanda and Pietro, villains. They were Magneto's kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly, from the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. <laughs> but, but, yeah, that feeling of, yeah, we're all the Avengers. It's been gone for a long time. It's all fragmented and... You know you deal with you know oh you're you're on the unity squad Deadpool you're not really an Avenger right. maybe I shouldn't have made you an Avenger and yeah it's all fragmented and uh, but this Spencer clearly seems to get you know by bringing in Pym slash Ultron as a founding member it's like this is not what it was supposed to be right this is you know this fragmentation is not good not only for Marvel comics clearly but uh, just it's It's not what the Avengers are supposed to be. It felt really cool to me, oh to my
2: God, Hank Pym, unlikely voice of reason
0: <laughs> least likely voice of reason <laughs> I mean that's a weird thing about Hank Pym before secret wars, yeah again it's with Hickman and all of his shit and walking away from the explosion. There was a real effort to rehabilitate Hank Pym that went on in, in that like fifteen minute period of time. In between Dark Empire and uh, when, yeah, Hickman started having founding members of the Avengers destroy universes to save their stuff. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, there was the Heroic Age. And yeah, Hank Pym was acknowledged as, you are a genius and you did one thing wrong, one thing terribly wrong, but you deserve to be treated as a founding member of the Avengers. And that did not last very long. No. And then Rick Remender blew it completely up by saying, fine, I'll be Ultron too, <laughs> even though he was sacrificing himself. I got really got to go back and read that. Although part of me is also saying, yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a making treating the Avengers like the Avengers used to be, it's kind of refreshing. And I'm glad Nick Spencer did it. I'd forgotten how much I missed that. Also, from Hank, we kind of get an indictment of... Just overall events, yes, but we get it from a character viewpoint like it's it's not you know oh these giant things that's not what the Avengers are for it's individual he he calls out individual characters on things that they did being the reason these events went wrong, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of awesome, yeah, most of the events of the past decade, if you think about it, oh, we need to be huge, they need to be ever bigger and but in order to make that happen. Some character or another has to be swinging for the fences to do this big giant thing, and you know trying to change the world. And he calls out Stark's superhuman registration act in Civil War, yep. and Scarlet
2: Scarlet Witch trying to fix her own life in Avengers Disassembled and House of M. Although it's not like she's going to listen; she's currently possessed by a demon, apparently.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the background of that is. Didn't you say it's a because we.
2: <laughs> well, no, it, she, it happened off screen when, in one of the, the prequel books to this, um, it's implied a, that that Kraken did something Yeah, I magical. think it was in the free comic book day. Yeah. And apparently whatever that was, was to somehow possess her with this demon named Chitin or something like that, um, which Pietro discovers, because again, trying to pound home the theme of family, Nick Spencer says, has, has Pietro say, look, I really don't care what happens. I just want my sister back.
0: <laughs> yeah. Which which is he's got a handle on Quicksilver. Yeah. Quicksilver's as selfish as the day as long. Yeah. It's him and his sister. And at least, you know, he understands, yeah, what they uh who the hell, Jeff Loeb in Ultimate's uh, yeah. three. Yeah, we're not gonna go that far with their fucking Yeah. <laughs> there, there were there were good reasons to scuttle the ultimate universe after a certain point. Yeah. But yeah, with those things, it's almost like Spencer he's He's almost arguing for
2: we should not
0: have these big events because it doesn't
2: ever end well for any of the characters know, or anything else. But I have to wonder, and I don't know if they're going to bother to go there with this. It, they make a point of like, yeah, Wanda, when, when she lost her mind the last time, you know, House of M. And You're no really going to have to be more specific. <laughs> the, for Avengers, Avengers Disassembled that yeah. led to House of M. Yeah. Okay, so Captain America has thrown in with somebody who has possessed her and taken away her agency. How does anybody think that's not going to go completely wrong <laughs> once she gets her control of herself back? It, it might. She, uh, I have to go back and reread the James Robinson run on Scarlet Witch, which was largely about her gaining her own agency and trying to deal with her current portrayal, which is that of, of a character who is immensely powerful, but also suffering from mental illness and, and, getting her shit together and then eventually healing the world's magic cuz there is a whole whole series of things going on with the world of magic in in the Marvel universe out before Secret Empire happened. So, if she's powerful enough that she can heal magic.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> the more I think about it, back just before Avengers disassembled House of M, there was, I think, I want to say it was a Christopher Priest. He was going by Christopher Priest. He's Priest now. Uh, to give, give one word give.
2: like Madonna. Oh,
0: you could call yourself whatever you want in this world. As far as I'm concerned, so Priest uh, did Captain America and the Falcon. Uh, Christ! After all that, I hope it was actually him. Mm. But there was a subplot in that of Captain America hooking up with Scarlet Witch, mm. and sort of the concept that she was twisting his reality to either make that happen or make him think that that happened. Mm -hmm. And that led directly into Avengers disassembled. And as I recall, it was kind of brought up as, no, I thought we'd grown closer and she was just losing her shit. Yeah. So yeah, the, the idea of she had manipulated him and then now he's manipulating her or having her manipulated. There could be some sparks there. That could be pretty cool. Yeah. Potentially. So yeah, I hadn't really thought of that connection, but yeah, there could be something there. And Yes, pissing off the Scarlet Witch. There's no upside to it. No. There's no upshots.
2: <laughs> no, no. If there's anything that anybody should ever have learned from anything ever yeah. in the Marvel Universe,
0: yeah, don't don't piss off
2: the Scarlet Witch. That's all I have to say. There, there,
0: <laughs> there are two truisms in the Marvel Universe. Don't piss off the Scarlet Witch, and if you're assigned. On the creative team of Scarlet Witch, you've probably pissed somebody off.
2: Don't tug on Superman's cape. Different universe, but just... (laughs) Don't piss
0: off the Scarlet Witch. Yes. And write for almost anybody except the Scarlet Witch. (laughs) So yeah, there's some potential there, but yeah, just... (laughs) The fact that he's saying via Hank Pym, you made these terrible decisions and thought you were saving the world, also kind of indicting the events... And the irony that he's doing this inside probably the worst event since Marvel went event crazy, that's not lost on me. But I I, I kind of like the call-outs. Yeah. And yeah, I really loved, and I'm sure it's happened before. But yeah, the addressing the Hank Pym elephant in the room of the time he beat up the Wasp. Yep. And having that lead to Pym being once again... And again, they really tried to rehabilitate him for that, for that 20 minutes in between. They did, they did. It's such a big part of his character at this point. His self-pity is, uh, all right, fine, they'll they'll do that. And I, I know it's been addressed before, but yeah, the, the reality is you really can't rehabilitate Hank with what he did. That one panel in Avengers 213 with the backhand is going to color the character forever, no matter how many times they blow up continuity. Yeah. So and yeah, now that he's Ultron, why not rub his biggest fucking disgrace in his face? <laughs> there, there's a reason it's Scott Lang in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is all I'm saying.
2: Yeah, well, Scott Lang, and he's the one that sort of is the the Pym Whisperer in this in this issue. Although, yes, he, how how much of that was engineered on uh, Steve Rogers' end because it looked like he had some other side deal going with Ultron after the fragment of the cosmic cube was given to the Avengers. Possibly.
0: Uh, I really more got the sense that Steve Rogers, Nazi cap, I really don't, I don't want to give him the benefit of his given Mm -hmm. Christian Nazi exclamation point cap. Yeah. Uh, Thought that the deal in quotes was, I'm going to go in there and you're going to give me the cosmic cube. Right. Uh, So whether there's a side deal going further than that, I don't know.
2: Yeah. I don't know either, but
0: it was smart. It was smart writing on Spencer's Spencer's uh, Christ. I'm tired. (laughs) Spencer was smart to write it that way because he writes the hell out of Scott Lang. Yes. So making Hank Pym be the antagonist, at least in this short period of time, gives him a chance to have Scott Lang front and center and give that great speech of, dude, I fucked up bad ones too, but it doesn't have to define me. It doesn't have to define you. And yeah, he really just completely dissolves the attack with this great speech and having Scott there lets Spencer write some jokes and Spencer's a funny motherfucker when he wants to be. Well,
2: that's yeah. I, I think part of where this works is, is Spencer's in his element. He does a nice job with characters who are from the, the seedy underbelly of things and being able to write those characters with a, a fair amount of humor, but also keeping in mind that they are villains and that they are doing bad things. Totally. You know, that's, that's where he tends to shine. Um, he gives good scumbag.
0: <laughs> you hear
2: that, Nick Spencer? You give good scumbag. Ten out of ten.
0: But it's that's why he's a weird choice to write an event because yeah. bag again. I don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Some of the funniest parts were with Scott Lang there. It's it's not just that just the overall there were a few bites of humor in here and I really think the series probably needs more of it because it's such yes. a stone bummer in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't want to give I don't want to I don't want to pretend Secret Empire four. It's like oh this is a great event now. It really has not changed my I, my opinion about the event. But I, I like this particular book and yeah we've got moments of yeah just ending the battle with Hank just backing down going who wants dessert yeah, yeah that's kind of light and. <laughs> Yeah, when Tony is laying into Hank and Scott just sort of tells uh Christ I forget Hercules or something, it's like, no, this is how family dinners are. It's, <laughs> this is not having anything to do with Tony. <laughs> My favorite one was when uh when Hank uh brings up Scarlet Witch and Avengers disassembled and mm-hmm. how much he fucked up the world and Scott says, Yeah, it's true, got me blowed up. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. There's a lot really good about the middle of the book where everybody goes in and meets Hank, it felt like an Avengers book. It didn't feel I didn't feel like I had this cloud of Nazism hanging over everything, which was refreshing. I can't believe I have to say that about the Marvel universe. The cloud of Nazism wasn't over the Marvel universe for six or seven pages, and I like that. I shouldn't have to say that out loud.
2: No, I mean, but yeah, you know, then we come right back to it, and I, I don't like seeing Namor have to kneel to anybody. Uh...
0: Yeah, it's. By the end, yeah, we're back to Cap being a Nazi dick in a Nazi uniform, putting the arm on Namor. Namor's another dick, but at least he's not a Nazi dick. Yes. So, so yeah, I don't want to see him have to do that.
2: And then it's implied at the very end by Steve Rogers that somebody on the inside of, of the Rebel Avenger team is a mole of some sort. Yeah. Uh, who do you think? Probably Scott.
0: See, I don't think so. I think it's I hope it's not. I think it's mockingbird. Yeah. It's uh we've got Hawkeye is beginning to hook up with Black Widow. Yes. So there's potentially a human relationship motivation for her to yeah, plus she was an agent of shield.
2: I mean, the other the other potential ringer is Sam Wilson.
0: Oh god, I can't see that. That would <laughs> I cannot imagine an African American character in an American comic book be like, yeah, he's a Nazi. I can imagine anybody having the stones to throw that down.
2: I I want to agree with you, but there's his whole connection with Steve Rogers and sort of it, I mean if if the Punisher can can be a stand <laughs> for <laughs> Captain America and and completely act out of character because, you know, sure, I'm going to I'm going to do whatever Steve Rogers wants because he's he's Captain America and and I'm just not going to think about the fact that he's running the largest mob in the world. I'm not. I'm, it's like, <laughs>
0: There's a certain amount to be said for your theory, except, and I'm going from memory on here, back to that Priest series of Captain America and the Avengers, yeah, where the nature of the relationship between Cap and the Falcon was strained because Cap was beginning this relationship with the Scarlet Witch, and they really almost threw down and had a confrontation about whether they would follow their beliefs or their heart Based on old relationships and new relationships, yep. and Sam Wilson looked right in Cap's face and said, "I burned my family
2: alive, and I like to light things on fire." <laughs> right into that. Yeah, I don't know. It's. Uh, I hope. That's... I don't. I don't think it's Hercules. <laughs> oh I God, no! No, I,
0: it can't. be I don't Hercules.
2: think it's Pietro because he he has no reason unless unless there's some some understood thing of we'll release your sister from the possession of the demon if you do what we want. Pietro occurred to me.
0: Uh, the the confrontation between him and his possessed sister on one hand kind of convinced me no that's not the case because it, it really kind of seemed like he was sort of caught by surprise as to her condition.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was as I'm just trying to like go through like who could it be that's on the plane. So yeah, it's either mockingbird Or Scott Lang. So so yeah, who's in that panel? It's
0: Hercules, Scott Lang, Mockingbird, Sam Wilson.
2: And A.I. Tony.
0: A.I. Tony. Well, Tony's programmed. And he's programmed to be somewhat... uh, (laughs) He's programmed to be... I'm an alcoholic. So I guess that's a
2: possibility. It is a possibility, but that seems the least likely. Yeah. Although, interestingly, in terms of all of the other things that characters get called out for, Hank Pym does make a a not-even-veiled uh, demon-in-a-bottle reference to Tony as he's leaving. Really? I missed that. Yeah, he says um, he says to Tony, I just wanted to say I'm sorry if things got a little testy back there at dinner. Truth be told, I think this little adventure will be good for you. And Tony says, is that right? Hmm, you didn't get here by accident, you know. You've been carrying around this baggage, these regrets. We are the sum of our choices, I suppose. But a conflict like this one, so comprehensive, it can have a cleansing effect, help you face your demons.
0: Okay. Hmm, there could be something to that. All right, so maybe A.I. Tony. Maybe I'm behind that. Yeah. Although, no, my money's still Mockingbird. There's good relationship human reasons for that. Spencer has shown in this issue, despite the tone deafness of, oh, yeah, Captain America's a Nazi, and, <laughs> that yeah, Hydra manages to completely defeat the United States military because reasons, because reasons. Um, that that he's... Got an ear for the characters. Yes. So, yeah, my money's Mockingbird. That's that's my prediction. Okay. Remind me of that, because I'm a beer and a half in, and I can barely hold my head straight up. So I may forget, even okay. even by the end of this episode, who I pick. Who did I pick? Captain Marvel, the original one? Is he back from the dead yet? You,
2: you picked Bob from Hydra Hunt.
0: <laughs> that guy's a pimp.
2: He is. So, you can check his stats. Uh, so, yeah,
0: I mean, there's really a lot that is... I can't believe I'm saying it considering the visceral reaction I've had to most of the Secret Wars books, Secret Wars, Secret Empire books. But there's a lot that's really good in the middle of this book. But yeah, it's, I, I genuinely enjoyed a lot of it, but not enough to remotely change my opinion about the event. Yeah. It's still a terrible event that I wish wasn't happening. There's enough here for me to at least be fair after all the shit that I've shouted into a microphone over this over the last month and a half. There's good in this issue. If you read this and you're a, an old-school Avengers fan, there will be stuff in here that you will like. And that's about as high a praise as I can give Secret Empire right now. <laughs> Is you, you won't hate this. There will be things here to enjoy.
2: <laughs> Nick Spencer, giving good scumbags since 2017.
0: <laughs> Secret Empire, everybody. The appropriate level of applause. <laughs> Speaking of events... Ah, <laughs> uh, Yes. Yeah. Do you have
2: feelings, hon? Uh,
0: <laughs> did this book give you the feels? It's, it really uh, did not. Uh, <laughs> most of the feelings it gave me were, what? What the fuck?
2: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are about to talk about a DC book. <laughs> yes, it's a DC book that doesn't even have Blue Wang. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, we are speaking of Dark Days, The Forge, which yes. is written by Scott Snyder and James Tin- Tinian Fourth. Uh, With art from various individuals. Yes,
0: Jim Lee, Andy Kubert, and John Romita Jr.
2: And this is the whole metal thing that they're leading into.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's good to have another Scott Snyder Batman story, particularly with the news this week that they're bringing All-Star Batman to a close. Yes. I just wish I had any fucking idea what the hell was going on in this book. Oh, this book? This book has has more (laughs) mysteries per square inch than than the split-dissected brain of... I'm trying to think of a mystery writer. I'm so very tired. Agatha Christie. <laughs> Thank you. All I can think of is Ellery Queen. I'm like, no, that's a character, you dope. Have more beer, shithead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't know where this is going, and it's not in a terrible way, but I it's think in, I know where this is going. It's a kind of a frustrating way. All right, where do you think this is going, or do you want me to rant for a while first? No, Have no, easy. please rant. Well, it's... It's, it's weird. Adorable. We open up with Hawkman. He's talking about uh, talking about the metal and how the metal has a mystery about it. So I'm like, all right. So, th- so we're, metal. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're talking about nth metal. Okay, I get what's going on. But then later on, it's, uh, oh no, Batman was researching Dionysium from the last Joker story mm-hmm. that Snyder did. And it's That's the chemical that supposedly brought the Joker back to life. So it's okay. It's some metal of eternal life, maybe. Uh, except... And that, it's
2: also potentially how the Court of Owls brings its talons back to life. Right,
0: which was, yeah, that was that was part of that whole storyline. Yeah. But yeah, we get that, but then even with these, Batman is somehow drilling in the earth for something, and Nth Metal is supposed to be Thanagarian, so I'm not entirely sure what he's drilling for, and then we get, he's got in a secret room in Superman's house, mm. Batman has a secret closet in Superman's
2: house that Superman has promised never ever to look in,
0: yeah, I mean, think about that. you're Superman. Think about that. You're anybody <laughs> you're anybody, and your weird Goth friend comes over and says, "Listen, I want you to hold something in one of your closets and don't fucking look in that closet.
2: Trebuchet, Rob would like to have a secret room in your basement. How do you feel about this? Uh, yes, so it's it just don't uh, look in it. don't for the love of God, keep your eyes shut. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that was just, that was weird. So thought, okay. But then, yeah, the thing he's got in there, that my first thought was, Jesus, this is a thing that looks like it came from Apocalypse, so maybe Darkseid's involved, except it took me a while to place that thing. So I went to our comics reference
2: library. We have a comics reference library. We
0: basically do. I've got six bookshelves (laughs) of just trade paperbacks. Look, what it comes down to is I've got so goddamn many trade paperbacks. I consider it a reference library. So I don't feel so bad about having spent literally thousands and thousands of dollars on comic books. So that's that's how I justify it, but that doesn't matter. I'm digressing again because I'm very tired. The okay. thing is, the thing that Batman has in Superman's basement, you know, where most people have a man cave mm. and you know, maybe some nice home theater system mm. and a kegerator. Yeah. Yeah, Batman doesn't have a kegerator, he's got one of the vibrational fork tower things from Crisis on Infinite Earths that the monitor used to try to hold the multiverse and the universe together. So Batman's got one of those. As one does. Better than a kegerator? Unlikely. But he's got one and now he's taken all this data that he's pulled together and he's trying to figure, you know, he's running it through this thing to try to figure out what it means. Yes. Which means Batman is four steps closer to understanding what any of this means than I am.
2: But it, yeah, so he's got all of this secret stuff that's off the books. He's got the secret room in the Fortress of uh, of Solitude <laughs> yeah, where he's keeping the monitors Junk. He's <laughs> it
0: looks like a big wang. It does. A it big does.
2: Finned wang. I'm not going to speculate on it. Uh,
0: yes. Let's move on.
2: He he has a bat cave inside his bat cave that Hal Jordan goes looking for at the at the urging of 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 one of the um, guardians. Thank you, guardians. And the yet unnamed Duke Thomas is unable to prevent. Um, unnamed insofar as he doesn't have a, a code word as a superhero right. yet. A screaming Yellow Mimi, I don't think is <laughs> particularly fear-inspiring. Um, no, I've just thought of, <laughs> I've
0: just thought of three names that would get me beaten up in the street. We're gonna leave those alone.
2: In any event, um, in there we discover that he's got the Joker locked up, or somehow the Joker got in
0: there. <laughs> yeah, that's. I don't know if Batman has just been holding the Joker in this stone tomb. <laughs> Feeding him when he has scraps or something. <laughs> or, yeah, if the Joker broke back in, because supposedly in the, the last, uh, was it was Endgame? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he he knew who Bruce Wayne was. Right. So, yeah, I don't know if Joker's in there looking for something, or, yeah, if Batman's got a decided locked.
2: to fucking disappear him. Uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> so I don't have the courage to break your neck or something, but, yeah, I'll throw you in this hole. <laughs> Just go in the hole. <laughs> now,
2: get in your hole. Are you too good for your hole? Furthermore... <laughs> before any of that even, and you had to point out what it was because I didn't realize what I was looking at because it was incongruous to me. He's also disappeared and put in its own hole, Plastic Man.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: Batman's running
0: a Flash-style Star Labs prison. (laughs) underneath his house. Yes. <laughs> but but the cool technology, he leaves that in Superman's house. He's really like a homeless your homeless dick friend from college who's couch surfing. He just yeah. he's got his shit all over the place. <laughs> oh no, man. I'll give that back to you, but that's in storage. But can I keep this thing in your closet?
2: <laughs> At what point does Superman cuz he's a well-meaning friend not turn to Batman and say I I think you have a hoarding problem. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You think Batman's a hoarder? That's I, awesome.
2: I, just, I, I think for every new thing that you bring in, Bruce, you have to let one thing go.
0: <laughs> He's got that vibrational fork. He doesn't even know what it does. <laughs> it's like Arthur in the tick with the monolith. He's like, huh, oh, I think I'll run some data through it. That didn't work. I think I'll put my tongue on it and see yeah. what happens. <laughs> I got this on sale. It's like, dude, that's from Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's not connected to anything. It's It might be good for something someday. Yeah. I'm going to keep it with my fucking peanut butter jars in case <laughs> I decide to collect fireflies, motherfucker. Okay, but can we throw out this
2: pizza box? No! <laughs> no, that was that was the pizza I had on the night that Damien died. And I, <laughs> and I still look at it from time to time fondly. Oh, God. that was when Damien was dead.
0: Yeah, Batman's <laughs> not a master fucking detective. He's just a hoarder. He's got all this shit. It's like level he... <laughs> five
2: hoarding. It's like, yeah, there's a giant penny and all of the robin suits and then underneath all of that, a dead mouse.
0: <laughs> yeah, Cat turds. Yeah. Use cat litter. Superman, can I keep shit at your house? Don't you have a system of caves under your house? I'm out of room. Can I put this in your house or not?
2: Start storing shit in the Phantom Zone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, I think we've just written a better book: <laughs> 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 Dark Days, or the, the Forge, or Dark Nights, or whatever yeah. it's going to be. Uh,
2: I'd wait. I'm gonna. I, what if I just go put it over on 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 the uh, the what the hell is that wall? The sound wall, sound forge.
0: <laughs> the what?
2: The the wall at the edge of the universe in crisis on. Oh, Inferno- the source wall. Thank you, source wall. <laughs> Starts you know, putting stuff out there. Nobody will find it here. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. <laughs>
0: Nobody's gonna get to my my box of used rubbers out here. Yeah. I can't allow my precious bodily fluids to go in the trash.
2: Starts turning into a weird Southern Gothic story at that point. Keeping my fingernail clippings.
0: Yeah, you could go fucking in
2: full Howard Hughes, another yeah. rich guy who lost his
0: shit. Just jars of piss all over the fucking fat cave.
2: I'm gonna this, build a bat plane out of balsa wood. This,
0: this is a better story. Than, <laughs> I like Rebirth. This is better than Rebirth. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's just a book with it's. It's got more mysteries per square inch than anything I've seen. It. It tells us nothing. It's all set up. And the only thing that kept me sane was they're starting to do press releases about Dark Knight. So I know a certain amount of things that are. Coming. Clearly, Batman is using this vibrational fork to, there's going to be a dark multiverse. We just know that from reading comic book websites. Yes. Uh, and we're, we're going to be getting a bunch of one shots with versions of Batman from the dark multiverse that are mixed with other DC heroes. Yes.
2: And part of what Batman had been doing with whatever research he's doing into just get all the blow in. Just all of it. <laughs> I, I'm
0: sorry. I'm tired. And I'm just trying to clear my nostrils. Okay.
2: No, it, um, Batman sent Mr. Terrific to various other Earths to investigate and see if they're finding the same sort of weird metal signatures there. Yeah, at least
0: Earth 2. But he, yeah. he's been out in the multiverse.
2: So at some point, and Carter Hall's involvement is supposed to indicate that this is a pattern that has gone on since the dawn of time with the earliest species of humans. There's always been some something going on with this metal and the human race, and And this includes Batman somehow.
0: uh, Yeah, and it's whatever this metal is, be it nth metal or dionysium or what is tied into at least a chunk of the Magical or quasi magical items in the DC universe. Yes. Uh, Aquaman's trident and Wonder Woman's uh, magic greaves, bracelets, whatever they are now that they're big. Yes. Uh, what else was there? Uh, Dr. Fate's helmet. Yep. So, yeah, somehow this is all tied together, uh, but it's not entirely clear how. It's the frustrating thing about this book was, yeah, it set up a bunch of stuff, but didn't answer anything. It's, it, it is very much a chapter one. And that's not the worst thing in the world, but it can be frustrating. Right. And particularly when you kind of know what's coming as somebody in their forties who has lived through a lot of ages of comics. Yeah, we're gonna have these one-shots of Red Death that's Batman mixed with The Flash, and Dawnbreaker that's Batman mixed with Green Lantern, and Drown that's Batman mixed with Aquaman. Uh in a nutshell. This is a comic book that eventually is going to riff on like the old DC Marvel amalgam characters. Yes. And it also, if you look at the cover, it's got chromium on it. We're going full 90s, kids. Strap in. Be afraid. Be very fucking afraid.
2: That it is only good and right that you should have Jim Lee do the cover with all of the 90s goodness that Jim Lee brings.
0: Uh, Yeah, and we get a vision of that cover, which is a giant Batman fascist statue with... Weird matrix style bots with bat signals pointing at the ground, like the old days of the Jim Gordon Batman. And yes, so it's just the frustrating thing is, I don't know where this is gonna I have no idea where this is going. I mean, it's it seems like, yeah, but, this, this
2: feels t- like, um, because of the possibility of Dionysium or Dionysium that was teased in Endgame, it's it's like a, a a wound that Snyder can't leave alone and wants to just keep picking at. Like, don't just leave it possibly open-ended and and then we can all just get on with our lives and hope that the Joker isn't actually immortal. Uh,
0: (laughs) I I thought we had that resolved in Endgame and I I hope that's still resolved. I mean, I'm not- But it
2: it doesn't feel that way. Like, to, to go and specifically bring that up and to place the Joker as prominently as you did in this book-
0: yeah, I, I don't know. I, I hope that's resolved. I, I hope that it's the Joker sort of locked up because he wants to be on his own quest, or because he's gonna get in the way of Batman's. Although, just yeah, the idea of Batman with secret prisons is weird. Mm-hmm. It, it was it's weird in the Flash on TV. Make no mistake,
2: it's <laughs> it's illegal in <laughs> Flash on the TV, and he gets away with it.
0: Yeah, I mean throw. <laughs> throw the Joker in a hole in the ground, why not just kill him? Because when, back in the 80s, when Batman did that with KG Beast and theoretically left him to die, there are still people who are outraged. It's like, Batman would never do that to the point they retconned it so that he could get away, but it was very much implied in the the Mark of the Beast KG story under Jim Starlin's Batman that, uh, no, Batman just left him to die. It's, uh, okay, I tricked you and now I don't have to fight you and now you die here. Right. <laughs> Screaming of starvation in a hole in the wall. It's a- so so the modern Batman doing that, uh, particularly in the the light post-rebirth, <laughs> that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me.
2: No. No.
0: Again, this book is all set up. This book lays out about ten different fucking mysteries and doesn't tell us anything. You know, the, what is Batman trying to reach with a vibrational fork? We know from PR a little bit, but there's no indication here. So if you're not somebody who pours over some of the comic news sites because you're deeply broken, uh, <laughs> you don't necessarily know. How does nth metal and Dionysium and eternal life fit into it? What's what is under the surface of the earth? What is Aquaman keeping under Atlantis that Batman hints about? What's Lady Blackhawk have to do with anything? She gets one panel and she's reporting back to somebody. Who's she reporting to? How does Plastic Man fit into this?
2: And why has he been disappeared into a secret prison by Batman?
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all of these are fine mysteries, but I just spent five fucking dollars on this comic book. All it does is tell me, oh, come back and spend five dollars next month for the... for uh, what's uh, I don't even remember what the next issue is called. This is what, The Forge? This is called The Forge. Man, I'm tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I'm not
2: making sense in this episode, I apologize, but... Well, there's a... This, this is a prelude to the epic event metal.
0: Yeah, but there's one more prelude episode next month, and I forgot to write down what it's called. I
2: don't right, know, because at the bottom of this, it says, don't, don't miss Dark Days, The Forge, this June. That's the book I'm holding Yeah, here, so. I want to say it's like the casting or something. Oh, that sounds right, yeah. yeah. Dark Days, the casting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we're, we're going to have one more setup issue for
2: $5, I guess. Not a, not a Hollywood audition story. <laughs> yeah, so I mean,
0: it's, the problem is it's, it's frustrating. Sorry, not a Hollywood, what?
2: Audition story, the casting.
0: Oh, <laughs> sorry. I almost glossed over that.
2: <laughs> it's okay. I apologize. Sometimes I just tell these jokes for me. Uh, I know, but once
0: I get on a tear, particularly <laughs> when I'm tired and I got a couple in me. <laughs> but So yeah, it's it's a little bit frustrating. Is okay, we're going into another event, and it doesn't really tell us anything. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, there's so many mysteries. And it's almost scattershot. It's like somebody's going to be interested in in some of these. And there were things I, I enjoyed about the book. Yeah. it's it, it is good to see Mr. Miracle again. Yeah, you know, in Rebirth.
2: Where's Big Barda?
0: Exactly. We'll get to that, I'm sure. I hope. I hope but, so. Plastic Man. And and Mr. Terrific's reaction of, damn right it's time to bring Plastic Man back. Yeah, Plastic Man's been gone since the new 52. Mm. So the idea that, yeah, there's a place for this character, you know, who is such a great part of Grant Morrison and, and uh, Mark Waid's JLA. Sure. So, yeah, I'm glad to see Plastic Man again.
2: On the other hand, though, why has he been kept inside the... That cave secret prison.
0: <laughs> there were at various points in JLA, and I forget who was writing it, the, the concept that pa- plastic man is potentially legitimately very dangerous. Unlike elongated man who, yep, I stretch, plastic man can turn himself into anything
2: and I- he's half crazy. I don't disagree, however, um the law. <laughs> if Amanda Waller had done that, Batman would have had an issue. <laughs> You're-
0: if Amanda Waller had done half of what Batman did in this, <laughs> yes, I'm drilling underneath a sovereign nation and <laughs> I'm just shooting signals into the multiverse. Uh, you know, in my vibrational fork that Superman keeps for me, because I don't have room for it, because in my vibrational fork room I got the Joker locked up scratching yeah. his name into the wall. <laughs> so you've got a point. <laughs> you definitely have a point. Yeah. It's good to see the outsiders, the original outsiders, back in continuity. Yep. Although I don't think anybody was screaming to see Halo and fucking Geo Force again. No. Please God, don't let me see Halo and Geo Force
2: again. No. Although who knows? All cards could be on the table. You can bring back Terra. Uh,
0: that's. I suppose that's possible. Uh, if we're going to bring back Geo Force, though, I want him to murder fucking Jericho.
2: I was is, is, just going to say Jericho's <laughs> already in play, and yeah. and the new run of of. Deathstroke is leading into this whole Dark Titans thing.
0: Yeah, you know what? I'll give, again, Priest credit. Uh, I've really enjoyed the Deathstroke run. Yeah. And uh, I have not fucking hated and loathed Jericho the way I have since I was 14 years old.
2: They, they did take away the awful perm.
0: That goes a long way. You take away the perm and the weird uh, 70s skirt kilt thing. Yeah. And it, yeah, it does, it does help with the character, I guess.
2: And, and they put a mask over his face. So you don't get the emo eyes.
0: If they could just put a bag over his entire fucking head. <laughs> and Look, the book looks great. I mean, you got a murder murderer's row of art talent here. Sure. Even John Romita Jr., who I normally don't really like at all, was inked really well in this. Yeah. So, you know, the big detail lines and cross-hatching that you normally get from him that's so goddamn distracting... Is really kind of inked to a dull roar of parallel lines, so yes. it wasn't really distracting. And I don't think it was Klaus Jansen who inked Ramita in this, because Jansen generally has a heavier hand. Yes. So I'm guessing either uh, the other anchors were Scott Williams and uh, Danny Miki. Yeah, nice work. Uh, <laughs> make sure that Ramita has your phone number handy at all times, because <laughs> I am generally not a fan of Ramita, but it wasn't particularly distracting in this. I still preferred, the, I preferred the other Cubert and. Uh, Lee's art in this, but still,
2: it looked good. Ramita didn't have any children to draw in this one, so. <laughs> I suppose. Disturbing, disturbing children. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's look. It was a little frustrating, and it was you know just uh, here's a mystery, here's a mystery, here's a mystery, here's a mystery. Thank you for your five dollars. Yeah, but it, there are certain yeah. things I want to learn more about here. Uh, no, I, you I,
2: don't get to learn anything. Just give them the five dollars. Back away slowly. <laughs>
0: I would want to learn even more if I didn't know that we were getting more amalgam style comics. I, certainly that's not a thing I'm nostalgic for, but I don't know. For five bucks, yeah, I I, I would prefer to have at least 10% as many answers as questions. That might be nice. <laughs> uh, part of it is also, okay, we're going to do this big universe changing event. Can we get the Watchmen shit out of the way yeah, this seems Doomsday to Doomsday Clock, please? This does seem
2: to be separate from that.
0: Uh, yeah, it's you've set this thing up and kept us on the hook for fourteen months. It's going to be another four or five months till we get it. Let's do the Watchmen stuff and say, okay, let's close the book on that. Yeah, it's yeah to have a couple of these things going at once is really. Ugh. So yeah, it's there was stuff to like in this book, but it was as frustrating as it was anything else.
2: If somebody out there uh, sees Snyder or Tinian at a convention before we do in San Diego, if you could ask them if the Forge takes place uh concurrent with rebirth or after the events of rebirth? Yes. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Thanks. Yeah.
0: So it, it was alright. But it was only all right. No way. No way. <laughs> there you go. All right. Talk about the last book? Last book. All right. The Defenders, number one, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by David Barquez. Yeah, I mean, the Defenders Netflix series is a opening in a couple of months, capitalize August
2: capitalize on that synergy.
0: Exactly. Synergy. <laughs> Brian Michael Bendis is—he's <laughs> a company man. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. What, what is what is it you need, Joe Q? Synergy. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I have this idea for an intricate character-driven piece that uh, maybe doesn't have a lot of action. And what's that? <laughs>
1: <Remote synergy. laughs>
0: okay, the Defenders. It is. I'll do. That. <laughs> <laughs> There are times, I, I think, if the Defenders Netflix series is Marvel half-assing ass, half a retirement plan for Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, let's
0: face it, he kind of saved the Avengers in the early 2000s. He did. He's the guy who wrote the post credit stinger for Iron Man that made the Marvel Cinematic Universe possible. He wrote Civil War II, but everyone stomps on their dicks now and again. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it was his Buck up his ass. We talked about it uh, earlier with Secret Empire. Uh, it, it was his interest in, I, I want to have these different characters like Luke Cage and Iron Fist in the Avengers that made them front and center sure. to have Netflix series. So I can easily so see Joe Quesada going, yeah, Brian, all right, this is for you, buddy.
2: And and Jessica Jones is an original character that, that he had a hand in creating.
0: Exactly. Of course, I, I looked at the the Defenders IMDb page might've been nicer to give him a producer credit or something, you know, give him yeah. some actual cash, but what the fuck? Uh, so yeah, that's uh, the comic book that's kind of started in, and I don't think it's a free comic book day edition that we got. No. And that's the problem with introducing series and free comic book day stories. Our local store puts out the free comic day books on free comic book day. Yes. You either get one or you don't. And if you go on Sunday, they're gone. Pretty much, He yeah. puts them back in the basement. And if there's anything left over, he'll put those out the following year for people who... Missed it. ...who missed it. But yeah, you get them on free comic book day or you don't get it. So right. if you didn't get it, and, and I don't remember seeing this story because uh, there was a setup story for the Defenders in uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy oh. issue of uh, free comic book day. And, and in that, uh, yeah, it's at least a couple of the characters, if not all of them, busted up one of Diamondbacks' clubs. Mm-hmm. Diamondback who was killed by an exploding dagger or something. I think back in the seventies in Luke Cage (laughs) hero for hire, but he was the villain in Luke Cage's Netflix series. So he's alive in the comics for reasons. So yeah, the defenders back before they were the defenders on free comic book day, they knocked out one of his clubs and uh, he has decided the best way to go is to kill them all because comics because that's what they do. So, I mean, yeah, what we're, Your impressions. I realize I've been going on a fatigue-fueled rant for most of these.
2: Well, my first um, and most pressing thought was, thank God this has nothing to do with Secret Empire. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) This is one of those books that I enjoyed, and I did enjoy this book a lot for a lot of reasons, but it's, yeah, it's not tied to any of that crap. It's just its own story. Yes. Yes. Thank God it's not part of Secret Empire or anything else.
2: Um I, it was enjoyable but I I couldn't help but notice yeah we, you know you you keep jokingly playing the promote synergy there's a lot of stuff here that's clearly pulled to be in parallel with the characters as they are written and as they look on the Netflix series Totally. And that was a little like uh, on the nose kind of and I'm not saying that you should go out of your way to do things differently but sometimes it can pull you out of the story when you realize um, the heavy hand of corporate. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, but let's give David Marquez credit. It's they none of the characters are so beholden to the actors that it's you know, like in a, in the Star Wars comics with likeness rights, they're trying to get Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford. Nobody here is drawn to look like Mike Coulter or like Kristen Ritter. It's enough of a matching look so you get it. Yeah. So, I, I was okay with that. I get what you're saying.
2: The other piece with it is it was nice to see the black cat in play. You don't see her outside of a lot of uh, Spider-Man books.
0: Yeah, she's been a big part of Spider-Man recently. And by bringing her in, it makes it clear that this story is not its own its own thing purely because of Netflix. I'm sorry. <laughs> Amanda just almost hit the ceiling when I pressed that button
2: because well, I was looking through the book for a thing I was going to talk about now I can't even remember what the hell I was looking for now <laughs> but uh
0: it's uh, yeah not everything looks exactly the same but yeah Black Cat we were talking about Black Cat uh <laughs> I'm sorry I feel terrible now it's alright at least I didn't stroke out <laughs> <laughs> do you smell burning toast? not yet okay <laughs> But uh, it made it clear that, yeah, this is not its own just thing to be, you know, okay, if you, it's it's hooked into the Marvel Universe. Again, I'm tired and I, I'm rambling and I apologize for that. But it shows it's hooked into the greater Marvel Universe as a whole.
2: Right. So, you know, as with the Luke Cage Netflix series, Diamondback has figured out something that gets past Luke Cage's otherwise impregnable skin to weaken him so that he can give him the beating he has so been richly dreaming of, apparently, for all these years. Yes. Um, which was effective for the Black Cat's involvement insofar as she's supposed to have some sort of Captain America-level super serum running through her, which makes her super strong, as I recall.
0: yeah. Yeah, I forget the details around that right now. But
2: And so she was about to make the point to Diamondback prior to Luke Cage arriving that you can't threaten her because she's super strong. But now she's a little bit back on her heels because she's seeing him uh, tune up Luke Cage.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was willing to accept that from Diamondback. Diamondback and Luke Cage were semi step brothers slash and he's for a long time i'm sure he spent a great deal of time figuring out how do i get around this yeah so having everybody team up uh i think will work and i think bendis sort of understood that because yeah everybody here gets attacked on their own uh some worse than others yeah you know it's in its own way it's (laughs) Kind of disturbing, uh, oh, only the woman is the one who gets put in the hospital. Everybody else is fine, but uh, all right, what the hell? He created Jessica Jones, and she gets up, and she's ready
2: to kick ass. Yeah, she shrugs it off. Anyway. (laughs) I I stopped a bullet with my spleen. What did you do today? (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) Oh, he dropped diamonds on me like a cock. You mean like a calling card? Yeah, a calling card of a cock. It's all, you know, bleeped out. It's all bleeped (laughs) out.
2: I went with asshole in my head. It it was...
0: (laughs) That sounds more like Jessica Jones, actually. an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is another Bendis book where you really have to kind of like the idea of a Bendis style people talking across a table. Yes. Because a lot of this book is just people talking. There is some action, but there's not a ton of it. No. A rocket gets shot at Luke Cage, but he's Luke Cage, so he's fine. Yep. Everybody else gets attacked. Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, uh, Daredevil. But it all happens off camera. We just hear about it afterwards. Where's the baby? I don't know.
2: Because Luke Cage and Jessica Jones had a baby.
0: Yeah, in uh, the last issue of Jessica Jones, at least that I was able to get my hands on, I really got to add it to my. I know polls. the baby had
2: been with the, with her mom for a while.
0: Yeah, and uh, Cage, I think, found her. But yeah, I might I might be missing an issue. That's one I haven't added to my polls. I've been getting it ad hoc every week. Mm. Uh, believe it or not, a high class professional operation like this doesn't get review copies. So <laughs> I gotta rely. Yeah, on Bendis. Once. Yeah, Bendis. Yeah, goddamn it. <laughs> The Fuck, man, don't you want to assist people who get drunk while screaming about your comic books in a in a state of exhaustion like a boss? <laughs> I'm pressing the button <laughs> just wanted to, just wanted to give you a heads up so you don't hit the ceiling again uh but yeah, it's a Daredevil and Iron Fist bust up, I think Josie's bar, but most of that happens off camera, yep, and we only see it when Jessica Jones comes in, and it's just Daredevil which is kind of a cute moment. It's Iron Fist just sitting there and uh, Jessica Jones says, did you get the answers you want? Uh, We got everything we've got. I think he's just doing this at this point to make him feel better. (laughs) So yeah, what I liked about this was again, we talked about, yeah, 12 years ago or so with new Avengers, bringing these characters front and center into the Avengers was really kind of a big deal. Luke Cage had been pretty much forgotten at that point. Right, his only real recent appearance before New Avengers was in Brian Azarello's Cage, which was really just more proof that Azarello can really write any kind of story as long as it's a crime story. Mm. It was very much a hip hop inspired, and it, it was okay. But but Bendis took it and brought it more back into Marvel Universe proper. Mm. Uh, and yeah, Marvel Comics was as good as it was from like 2000 up until yeah, probably Civil War. Because, yeah, Bendis liked these characters made a big deal out of them. Sure. In New Avengers.
2: Yeah, and he, he, he takes credit for that in the uh, letters column in the back of this. Well,
0: the Bendis... <laughs> modesty, not for everybody. And all those who
2: spent the aughts, the aughts mocking me for, Luke Cage, for a Luke Cage crush were silenced as I was proven right again. Emoticon smiley face.
0: <laughs> I mean, he's, he's got a point. Those New Avengers books hold up. Yes. And and actually they've started coming out with trades of the complete Brian Bendis new Avengers mm. uh which uh I, I'm not buying. <laughs> well, it's the first trade opens with Avengers disassembled. Right. Which which it, we already own. Which you yeah. So if you've already got it, you're buying a book you've already got. And it's only got the first ten issues. And frankly, the original trades were really heavily printed. You can still find them. Yeah. Cause I started I had bought like the first one or two, but when I saw this giant oh, complete Brian Bendis New Avengers. Yeah, I, just, I picked up everything from the beginning to, uh, say, Secret Invasion. After that, I started to tune out. So I'm like, this is all I really need of it. But yeah, I think I filled all that in for like 80, 90 bucks. So it's you don't necessarily need these giant trades. But yeah, if you haven't read Avengers Disassembled, definitely get the first trade that yeah. has that in it, because that's really the first real broadside of... The changing of the guard from Bob Harris and Spider Clones and Chromium Age to what made Marvel Comics so cool from like, yeah, 2000 to 2007 or so. Right. Yeah, he was right. <laughs> but at the time, there were a lot of people screaming at him. And it's also, it's a team book. Bendis writes good team books. These are four characters. Yeah, they're talking around the table, but they're four characters he's either created or written in forever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how much you like this is really going to be directly related to how much you like Bendis people talking around a table stories. Yes. Because, yeah, not a lot really happens in this other than conversation. There's, yeah, he gets hit with a rocket. He gets some kind of yellow gas blown in his face. And yeah, there's two panels of Daredevil kicking people in a bar. Yes. That's really all the action other than talking in this.
2: Yeah, and and that's okay. <laughs> I mean, at least plot progresses.
0: Yeah, it's. I've said before. I don't have a problem with Bendis having pe- Bendis is great with dialogue. People talking around the table with Bendis dialogue, I'll read that all day. But it's it, you can't. It's not going to work for everybody. But right. but it works for me. To, yeah. Anything else you t- saw? <laughs> this again. I'm just ranting exhaustedly. I apologize for this show, everybody.
2: Oh, don't apologize. <laughs>
0: I'll be better
2: next week. I swear. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I have no great revelation about this. I, there, there's no moment I can point to and say ah shit i never realized that danny rand was a hoarder but it's, <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm never going to look at batman the same again <laughs> you and frank miller you're the only two people who've ever made me look at batman <laughs> differently in that way
2: i i guess like I, I think i what i enjoyed was the surprise of black cat's involvement in this and again the way that hammerhead's Power in a way was was revealed in terms of what he does and how he takes out Luke Cage because it takes a lot to put Black Cat back on her heels.
0: Yeah, Diamondback, not Hammerhead.
2: No, Hammerhead is involved with Black Cat. Uh, Yes, okay. In the op leading up to this, and then Diamond. Did I call him Hammerhead? I think so. I'm sorry. Maybe. Um, In any (laughs) who are you? Are you Amanda? Yes. Am I Rob? (laughs) Let's talk about where your pants are first.
0: Okay. (laughs) Um, I'm lost. Uh, I'm angry. And I'm armed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I enjoyed that. I'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with these other villains that Diamondback is supposedly going to be trying to rally and and bring to his side.
0: Yeah, with a team book, it makes sense that he'll yeah, bring some other people together to go up against him. I'm guessing by issue five or six, just in time to close out the first trade. Yeah. It's uh, one of the things I also liked about this beyond, yeah, the tying into the Marvel Universe and bringing in Black Cat been raising the stakes kind of that way, was mm. it's been a while since Bendis has really written a street-level book. Yes. And Bendis's early background was crime comics, things like Jinx and Goldfish uh, and Torso and Alias. Yeah. So having him write street-level characters as he did with Alias and Daredevil, it's it's been a while. I mean, he's been doing Guardians of the Galaxy and X-Men and God fucking help us Civil War too. So yeah, have him back in Hell's Kitchen he's got a certain ear for that kind of thing and that kind of dialogue and that kind of story, which I like. There's very much a Grindhouse feel to this in that when each character is introduced, they get their own big banner with their logo showing little things from you know, their past to introduce them. And uh, every time I saw one of those, all I could hear was, Black Dynamite! Like, <laughs> like that's the kind of introduction still you'd get in some weird Sonny Chiba Grindhouse movie. right? It's I'm glad to have Bendis back on however long this lasts, a street level book on these characters that I really love from like 2000 to 2007 when he was writing them when Marvel was exciting. Yeah. Marvel's not exciting right now. It gives me agita, but that's not the same (laughs) thing. It was, yeah, coming out of the Chromium Age and moving into, yeah, we'll do weird things with the Avengers and we'll have Grant Morrison on X-Men with Marvel Boy and, yeah, just Joe Quesada throwing everything he could fucking think of at the wall to get it to stick. Yeah, let's, fine, let's get a TV writer to do five years of Spider-Man. Fuck it. it. It was an exciting time in comics. Yeah. less so than now. And it's weird to have nostalgia of, of a modern age of comics, but this scratches that itch for me it, I really enjoyed it more than I thought it was going to. Cause yeah, as it was coming, it's all right. Bendis is writing it, but it's just going to tie into the Netflix thing. You know, it's, it's going to give you your whole, yeah. synergy. but it was really pretty good on its own met- it merits. Yeah. Now, the worst part about it is it's got fucking Bendis spread disease. We've talked about this a million times, double page layouts, with absolutely no indication of panels going across the spine. You're supposed yeah. to read it from the top all the way across and then the bottom all the way across. The The worst is there's a four-panel layout, and the panels are all exactly the same size, and none of them cross the spine. And it's each member of the Defenders performing an interrogation looking for Diamondback. Yes. And if you read it the if you read it the way you would normally read a comic book, what you wind up is the entire defender screaming, Is where Diamondback And it's fucking it's like it's like listening to Yoda after a mild stroke. <laughs> it's just fucking awful. And yes. it's distracting and it takes you out of the book. And he's been doing this for years. Yes. I don't know why he fucking does this, but he does.
2: Sequencing is important, Brian. If you would send us some preview copies, like we previously <laughs> requested, we could give you some subtle feedback in terms of your layouts. That you provide notes to your artists around. We've
0: never requested. We couldn't get Marvel to return our Shh, calls. He doesn't know if that. we called
2: it a bomb threat, know that. Damn it! Follow uh, my fucking lead for once. I'm sorry, I'm t- It's not my fault. <laughs> Put your pants
0: on. No my basement fuck it <laughs> oh so yeah bendis spread disease maybe i'll start calling it that
2: see now I'm just picturing him explaining these books like just sitting wide so that like his balls have all the room on the chair
0: just man spreading yeah like, <laughs> on the subway
2: yeah bendis spread it's sadly just... i can picture
0: that too <laughs> now i can't unsee it you're welcome thank you thank you very much The biggest problem I had with this book is it's just another 22 page story and it's really 21 pages because one of the pages is like a a recap page, like the the credits page. And yeah, if you, (laughs) if you take the big double spread of is where diamond back, you're really almost under 20 pages (laughs) of story, but it's a $5 fucking book. And why is it a $5 book? Because yeah, there's a six, seven page prose section at the back that's supposed to be uh, Luke Cage being ben interviewed Uric. by Ben Yurick in uh, what is it, The Pulse, yes. which was the book that Bendis came out with after Alias to bring Jessica Jones more out of Marvel Max and into the Marvel okay. Universe proper. Uh, there's a certain amount of nostalgia. of Okay, it's The Pulse, and yeah, the good old days of Marvel, and yeah, I remember that, and that was a fun time in comics. But at the same time, five bucks for extra pages that are just full of old legacy art from those pulse issues. Yeah, quit fucking around Marvel. This is not a $5 book. That's You added extra to make it $5, and it's extra that I can easily see Bendis <laughs> answering his cell phone on the toilet. It's like, you want to make it a what? Hold on, I'll email you something. And just whipping it on his iPad. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, it's not a bad text piece, but it doesn't really reveal anything about Luke Cage. It's it's extra material for the sake of making it a $5
2: book. Stop you, that shit, Marvel. You you want to make this a $5 book? Bendis then said, hold my beer, and he went to the <laughs> computer and he blindly typed out a quick quick essay slash interview.
0: And that's, <laughs> that's why he's a professional and I'm screaming into a microphone, because I would say instead of hold my beer, I'd say, give me a straw so I can continue drinking while I do this. Yeah. <laughs> but, Where's my beer hat? But there's a <laughs> Where's my whiskey funnel? That's more accurate, but so yeah, I mean that was kind of irritating. But overall, I I really enjoyed it. It was it, it wasn't perfect. It was a it was a throwback to my favorite modern time in comics. And look, I've been reading comics since 1975, mm-hmm. and there's nothing going to be more exciting than say 86 to 88. With Dark Knight and Watchmen and the feeling that comics were really aging with me. Yes. Uh, because, yeah, I was in my teenage years. But, yeah, my second favorite period is, yeah, 2000 to, yeah, about Civil War. Marvel was trying all this shit because they were bankrupt. Warren Ellis was doing Transmetropolitan. Creature was still out. Uh, DC had Starman. It was just, it was a really cool period. And this reminds me of that. But, yeah, it doesn't <laughs> need to be $5. No. Back then, comics, I think, were a buck and a quarter. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a, I I liked it a lot, but I can see why people wouldn't. If you don't like the Bendis people talking around a table, this is not going to work for you. I get that.
2: He at least tries to put them in a bar this time.
0: Exactly. They're not talking
2: around a, just a table. There's It's a bar.
0: Exactly, which is where <laughs> I should be. Not sure i'm gonna put this as the book of the yeah no old man logan is probably my book of the week this would be second i think
2: yeah i have to i have to agree with you i old man logan is more solid in in many respects but this is this does a nice job with characters that bendis had a large hand in establishing yeah in, at least in their modern iteration
0: it reminds me of one of my favorite eras in comics but yeah i like david marquez uh, you're going to lose to Mike Diodato, dude. So that's a point toward Old Man Logan.
2: Especially since there's um, in the back with the pulse, then then you constantly are going to be having to live up to the Michael Gatos and Matt Hollingworth arc. Yeah, so.
0: Yes. Solid book. Enjoyed it a lot. Uh, if you can only pick one, go with Old Man Logan because number yes. one is not five bucks. Yes. All right. Anything else? Should we wrap it up? The show I ran longer than I thought it was going to. I think we can wrap it up. All right. So, yes, thank you for putting up with my exhaustion. Uh, <laughs> don't know where you found this particular episode because, uh, oh, we're everywhere. But you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Yes. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. You can send us a message through there. I really got to start doing more with it. I say that every week. And then, uh, yeah, day job being on call, exhaustion.
2: Remember, if you want um fuck yeah, Steve Trevor t shirts, just <laughs> drop me an email and I will get right on it with my, my Sharpie.
0: Amanda is prepared fully uh, to go to TJ Maxx and get some white Hanes BX.
2: <laughs> or or to CVS, where wherever. Yeah, whatever works. Walmart. Uh, Costco. The dollar it. store. You ding, might ding, get ding, a t shirt. It may not be from Hanes. It might smell like gasoline. But <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right, we are also on Twitter. Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. Uh, we are on uh, Tumblr, com. We're on iTunes. You can subscribe to the show there, and if you get a minute, and that's how you get your podcast, you happen to be on there, do us a favor. Give us a rating. Uh, give us a review. It will help people find the show, I think.
2: tell us how much you love our potty mouths
0: Uh, somebody must (laughs) I told you not to call here mom Uh, let's see we're on uh, tune in radio we're on google play we're on stitcher radio we are proud members of the comics podcast network and you can always send us an email crisis on infinite midlives at gmail.com I think that is it Uh, this has been episode 153 of the crisis on infinite midlife show I'm Rob I'm Amanda thank you for listening and derp
1: My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future, and I have a message for you. Yes! I like it. That's my Hickman impression. say,
2: somebody go check on Hickman.